Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Cole, and I will be your host for today's podcast. I am the founder and CEO of Secure Anchor Consulting, a company that is focused on building out effective security roadmaps that actually work to protect an organization. In today's episode, I'm joined by Prem, product manager at Manage Engine, and we're going to be talking about and thinking beyond ITSM and achieving enterprise automation. Prem, welcome. And if you could just give a little background of how you got involved in this space and what your current role is at Manage Engine, that would be a great way to get us started. Oh, thank you so much for introducing me, Eric, and, uh, and thank you everyone for investing your time with us. I joined Manage Engine a decade back as an engineer, and I started working with Manage Engine on various products and tools. And uh, in 2008, we launched Manage Engine's Facilities Desk. It's a CAFM solution based on uh, popular demand from our customers. We also entered into the space of creating a CAFM solution in addition to the ITSM solution, Manage Engine Service Desk Plus that we had. So that was kind of a starting point for us to explore various service delivery spaces within an organization. So we saw a growing need for having a separate service desk for every department because every department within an organization wanted to streamline how they operate, how they process incidents, how they process service requests from their uh, customers, internal customers. So the best practices that has been followed by IT attracted them. And, uh, you know, that gave us a space for us to come up with new products, but because of our focus more into ITSM, we did not continue the product. We had to drop it at some point. But we had a very good experience exploring the CAFM space. Right? So this was kind of a starting point for me as well as for Manage Engine uh, to understand the demand for automating uh, things within an enterprise, within the organization. So they wanted to achieve the same level of uh, streamlined operations that has been followed by IT teams for a long time. Now, applying the best practices of IT into non-IT departments was the first thought that came to us. So we thought, why not we create solutions for non-IT departments? Uh, you know, based on our experience from ITSM, IT service management space, why can't we apply that into non-IT departments? So that is when I entered into product management. So we decided to build a multi-help desk. So that is how we envisioned back then. We did not have the experience and we did not have a complete insight of how it is going to shape up in the future. So we decided we'll come up with a multi-tenancy model of a solution wherein all the departments can use one solution to process their service requests, incidents, following the best practices of IT, and we can make minor tweaks so that non-IT departments can use it without any issues. Now, we don't want to put all the, uh, I, I would say, technology that has been followed by IT because IT is always the forerunners, right? So we don't want to 
bombard technology in non-IT spaces, but we'll give them a start with something basic, start, start with the fundamentals of the best practices. Something like service level agreement, business rules. Business rules is the first level of automation that we have in Manage Engine Service Test Plus, uh, with which you can create a rule engine-based automation. So this was the first idea of automating non-IT spaces. So with that, we, we started our journey into enterprise service management, and we started developing an enterprise service management suite uh, with Manage Engine Service Test Plus. Now, in Manage Engine Service Test Plus, we have got uh, you know multi-tenancy model wherein multiple departments can use one single tool to achieve enterprise service management. And I, I, I strongly believe enterprise service management can be a way to achieve enterprise level automation, right? So it is not a single project wherein we automate the entire organization in one go, but it's slowly done in step-by-step manner by following the best practices that IT can give to non-IT departments and also learning equally from the other departments, right? So for example, HR has some best practices like privacy. So they are very good with privacy. So why not we learn the privacy practices that HR has been following? We can learn it from HR and apply it into IT. Similarly, finance, right? Finance teams have a set of best practices. Why don't we, you know, cross-pollinate and get good ideas? So that is how we can share the best practices amongst multiple departments and achieve enterprise-level automation wherein IT can guide the other departments with the technology. So that has been the starting point and that has been uh, the the trigger moment for me to get into product management. And uh, I've been spending a long time since then. That's some great information. It sounds like you have a really fascinating background. So let's start to unpack uh, some of the things you've talked about. So I know organizations started with IT service management and trying to make the IT services more efficient to deliver to users. And then we had IT automation. But now we've sort of switched from IT services and automation to enterprise-wide automation. So what exactly is enterprise automation and where does IT fit into that? So I'll break this question into two. First, let me tell you where IT fits into enterprise automation. So we all know that IT has to be the pioneer of technology. They have to explore new technologies to support the business, achieve greater heights, right? So new technologies like AI, ML, or any new security practices you know, that is required to run the business, we have, IT is the forerunner, IT has to practice it. So we saw that every department wanted to get rid of the conventional way of doing things and follow how IT has been doing stuff, right? For example, let's take a very simple example, self-service portal, right? So IT published the self-service portal uh, first, right? So we have been doing self-service portal for a couple of decades now. Now, a similar self-service portal was needed by the other departments, which provides services to the internal customers, the employees, right? So this best practice of building a self-service portal is the first starting point. Now, similarly, facilities, finance, and other departments also wanted to follow the best practices followed by IT, like building a self-service portal. Now, self-service portal might sound a very simple thing, but effectively implemented, it can actually hand over a lot of job to the end user themselves. They can give accurate information. They can 
ask for accurate things, and there is no miscommunication. Everything is received accurately using self-service portal, and that avoids a lot of miscommunication and gaps, right? So that is the first starting point. Now, achieving enterprise automation. So let me explain what enterprise automation is. So smooth information transaction between the departments in order to collectively orchestrate and achieve one single goal, right? So to promote the business as well as to keep the internal employees happier, employee happiness and productivity goes hand in hand. So when you can do that with technology, with an automation, and if your entire enterprise can go hand in hand with each and every department, Ultimately, we achieve enterprise automation. So uh, that is my opinion about enterprise automation. And that is how I have seen organizations, uh, you know, who use managed engine products, uh, try to achieve enterprise level automation. That's great. So now let's jump in a little more. So when it comes to achieving this enterprise automation, how important is it to first identify and bridge those communication gaps? All right. Okay. So I've been talking about enterprise automation since 2013, but we did not have any real first-hand experience of, and also there was a, there was no need to ent- apply enterprise automation as a philosophy within an organization because everything was going smooth when we were working within an office premise. And suddenly when the pandemic hit, that is when we started seeing the need for enterprise level automation. So let me give you an example. You know, I observed what happened when the pandemic hit. Many organizations were not really prepared for this crisis, right? So we strongly believe that the work model is going to be completely within the office. We are going to work from office all the time, but that was not the case. Suddenly we had to adapt. Suddenly we had to change. Suddenly many organizations had to evolve Say, for example, financial institutes never believed in the concept of moving IT assets outside office premise because it contains sensitive data and data is an asset. So they were not really prepared. Many financial institutes were not prepared. Many of our customers were not really prepared. Even organizations that preach best practices were not really prepared for a crisis like that. And... uh, in this situation, you have to achieve very complex set of tasks in order to keep your business continuing. So one of such tasks is onboarding a new employee into the organization, wherein all the departments have to do a part, right? So when a new hire request is logged, when we process a new hire, uh, when we interview, when once it's, the candidate is selected, IT has to deliver a set of tasks. HR has to deliver a set of tasks, facilities, finance, logistics. Everyone has a part in it, and it is like a clockwork they have to work. Now, when they worked inside the office premise, communication was smooth. We used to send emails. We'd quickly make a call, and then we sort it out. And personal communication was always there to smoothen things. But suddenly, the the workforce is now distributed. Uh, Departments are working from different locations, everyone is working from home, even the new hire that we are interviewing is going to completely work from home for a considerable amount of time. So that is the situation. So it's 2020, we saw this, and that is when communication became a key. We started observing something, I call it as the MS Teams phenomenon. Suddenly, everyone resorted to chat as the primary medium of communication. Microsoft Teams became a popular tool 
and everyone started communicating using Microsoft to, uh, Teams. So communication became a key. One small example that I can give you is, uh, you know, <laughs> one of uh, my friends who tried to switch job during the pandemic situation uh, has to uh, work from a temporary location, his parents' place, wherein his permanent residence is in a different city. Now, uh, when he asked for uh, a laptop to be delivered to his temporary location, this information was gathered by the HR, but never got transferred to IT and other departments. That created a chaos. Because of lack of automation between the department, because of lack of communication, which is automated between the departments, the information was wrongly communicated or partially communicated, and that led to a chaos, right? So shipping laptops to the right address because everyone had temporary locations back then, right? So we were stuck at some place. We still wanted to try out uh, our career, you know, venture into our career and all that. But, you know, this was one good example that I can give. It took 18 days for him to communicate, be the coordinator between multiple departments in this new organization. He's completely new to the organization, but still he had to endure the pain of communicating with multiple departments. And he became a coordinator back then. All right, so that is the kind of experience we delivered back then in 2020 when we were not really prepared. And I believe that was the realization point for many organizations to identify the communication gaps. People were working in silos, even within the organization. So that, that became the trigger point for many organizations to consider enterprise-level automation uh, and fixing the communication gaps. Now, democratizing IT is also a big part of this. Should companies be making technologies available to everyone in the pursuit of automating business functions? And if so, why? I strongly believe that is the scalable model. Because IT cannot go to each and every department, do business analysis, try to understand how they work, try to understand their requirements, try to understand you know, the procedures and protocols of every department. Because every department has a microculture. They have been following the culture for a very long period of time. They want to work the way they want to work. They don't want enforcements from IT into their departments. That is disruptive and that can become rebellious. Right, so we need to kind of democratize technology. IT cannot guard the technology anymore. Instead, we have to facilitate technology, make it accessible to every department, right? So that is where technologies like low-code solutions and no-code solutions kind of help us. So every department will have their own requirements. They have the knowledge, but they do not have the, the skill to kind of program, you know, and then perform integration between different tools that they use, create scripts to automate things. So if you give them technologies that are accessible by non-IT departments, like low-code platforms, they'll be able to construct the logic that they want to achieve. Right? With that, they can create automation within their departments. All these micro-automations that are followed within every department can kind of lead to the quantum of achieving enterprise-level automation. So I strongly believe democratizing IT is a big part of achieving enterprise automation, right? And, uh, you know, there are some uh, reservations uh, from companies, in certain companies, whether to allow technologies like this to be accessed by non-IT departments. Should we give these technologies to end users who might unknowingly cause uh, maybe uh, an issue, a privacy issue, 
something like that. But we have to kind of regulate and moderate it. That is the only way and that is the scalable model that an organization can follow to achieve enterprise-level automation. Now, with that backdrop, are you optimistic that more and more companies will adopt this philosophy over the next decade? Uh, certainly, I, I strongly believe that this is the way to go, right? So I could see that the evolution of low-code and no-code platforms is becoming uh, very prominent, right? So I, I, I generally break down automation into four levels. One is automation within a tool, right? So imagine HR is using an HRMS solution, IT is using an IT service management solution, finance is using a finance tool. So they want to achieve automation within the tool. They want to create macros that can standardize the way they work. They want to automate, they want to shift left, right? So this is the first level of automation they want to achieve. The second automation is customer-facing automation. So if a customer asks for something, they want to immediately reply back or send contextual information automatically without a human resource involved. Third level is automating between tools, right? So they have multiple tools. They want to create a tool chain that can deliver uh, services. So now uh, IT has this experience of integrating multiple tools. Similarly, non-IT departments also want to achieve integrating multiple tools. So that is the third level of automation that they want to achieve. And the final level is automating the endpoints. Customers use, the internal customers, employees use multiple different tools. I'm sorry, multiple different de devices. So we want to automatically perform tasks in the end-user PC, end-user application, end-user mobile devices, and this is the fourth level of automation. Now, if you can provide solutions for all these four requirements, which is very easy to use, which, is, which does not require programming knowledge, I strongly believe language is just a skill, not a knowledge that applies even to programming languages, right? So they don't have to learn the language, learn the programming methods. Instead, they can use a drag and drop graphical interface, a visual uh, workflow builder, a visual logic builder that can solve these four requirements, provide solutions for these four requirements, then ultimately this is going to be the technology that will be followed in many organizations in the following decade. And this philosophy will ensure that enterprise automation that we aim for can be achieved. Now, moving on to chatbots. How can they create space for business functions to focus more on the core issues? Okay, conventional work and how we want to work in the future are two different things. Conventionally, we have human resources for many things that do not require a human resource. So I would like to break down the work into a spectrum of roles. On one end of the spectrum, we have got very repetitive, mundane, boring tasks uh, we have been doing it because we do not have any technology or we did not have it back then. So we had to employ a human resource to kind of focus and do that. On the other end of the spectrum, we have got very, very complex tasks. All right. So uh, tasks that were left untouched uh, even today, right? Because a lot of information is coming in and IT and other teams do not have the bandwidth to kind of process these things. In the, the middle of the spectrum, we have got the roles where humans are employed, humans are doing a great job at it, and, but we do not have the time 
to focus on it because we are trying to kind of balance both the end of the spectrums. We are trying to address this, address that, as well as do this. So most of the times we end up firefighting all the time. We do not have the bandwidth to focus on how to improvise, how to move into the future and how we can direct the business with the help of uh, the technologies that we have in hand. And one of the uh, important technologies is a chatbot, right? So we understood the prominence of a chatbot once again during the pandemic, right? So we had internally uh, uh, built, we had to build a chatbot internally for our support teams. So we have customers across the globe and when the pandemic hit, most of our support resources could not cope up with the work from home model and many were scattered and we had to deliver services to the end users of Manage Engine. So at that point in time, we decided to build a chatbot that is quick to build and deploy and we created a support chatbot uh, with the data available in our knowledge base to assist our customers to provide first-level support, shift left some of the first-level issues that they report, and give them guidance even when the technicians are not available. So that was one of the points that internally we had to realize and we had to build a chatbot. So we thought, you know, why not we give chatbot to our customers as well and kind of experiment how they approach and use it. So we had the technology, fortunately, so we quickly developed Zia, uh, an internal chatbot solution from Zoho Corporation, which is a parent organization, and we embedded into most of our tools and gave it to our customers. And chatbot, trust me, has shifted left a lot of tasks that were conventionally done by human resources, right? So uh, quickly you build a chatbot and deploy into your service desk solutions. We, we saw a a drop of about 26% of level one requests. So most of the level one requests, which are information that they want to get from the IT and other teams, information they quickly would ask the peer. Unfortunately, they cannot do it at this point in time, so we have to go to a common resource and get that. So all that is shifted left, and teams were able to use chatbot effectively, and especially when support engineers are working from home amidst the chaos of the home environment where they have to keep up with the daily work that is demanded, you know, feeding the kids, working in the kitchen, and also delivering support for the enterprises. So that is when we cannot expect the, the support technicians and engineers to be available around the clock, and chatbot can precisely fill that gap. Right, so we can shift left some of the repetitive, boring, mundane, and uh, you know tasks to the chatbot, feed it, and chatbot can enable support twenty-four cross seven even when the engineers are not available. Crucial information can be handed over, which is very simple, but we do not have the technology now. Chatbots can do that, so that is how chatbot can kind of help technicians to focus on crucial work, work they have been keeping it pending, which can improvise you know, uh, their support process, address the bottlenecks, you know, come up with new processes, come up with new technology automations. All these were pending for a long time because they have been firefighting all this time. Now that can be avoided. We can free up the space, time space for the technicians to focus on core issues by handing over certain tasks to the chatbots. Now let's start to wrap up and do a final question on where does Manage Engine come into all of this? All right. So to answer this question, I have to give a little bit of background about our company. So Manage Engine is a branch of Zoho Corporation. Zoho Corporation is our parent company. So we have got three divisions. 
So we have got Zoho.com under which we develop SaaS solutions that can support businesses. So we've got about a ton of products under Zoho.com. Uh, that is Zoho CRM, Zoho HR solution, which is called Zoho People. So we kind of cater to the needs of an entire enterprise. We've got a list of solutions that can help assist our customers. Then we have got Manage Engine. Manage Engine is the IT infrastructure division of Zoho Corporation. Here we have got about 48 plus products and free tools, which add up to 90. Now, using this tool, we try to address the complete IT operations of an organization, be it an endpoint management solution, be it an AD management solution or an IT service management solution, even enterprise services. All these we try to address under Manage Engine. Then we have got Zoho IoT. So we also are into the IoT space where we focus more on IoT platform and technology. So if you take a look at from outside the box, we have all the tools, but we have got in separate containers, right? So we are now trying to kind of integrate all these tools together. We try to cross-pollinate within Zoho Corporation. So Zoho.com has tremendous experience on HR department. So we are kind of integrating the HR tools with Manage Engine, the HR uh, instance of Manage Engine Service Desk Plus, which is our ITSM and ESM solution. So now this experience kind of helps us to integrate with other products as well, third-party solutions as well, right? So similarly, we have got no-code and low-code platforms because our engineers also recruit interns who are not really programmers, but they have got great insights about business and they, we want to convert that knowledge into solutions. So we developed no-code and low-code platforms even a decade back. Now these platforms are now becoming a part of Manage Engine solution. So we give solutions like Zoho Flow. Zoho Flow is an app-to-app integration solution, an iPaaS solution. Now it has become a part of Service Desk Plus. So with this, non-IT departments can integrate HR tools or facilities tools, two different tools can be integrated using these iPaaS solutions. So similarly, we have got a solution called Zoho Circuit, which is an endpoint automation solution, right? So from a product, if you want to operate an endpoint, say for example, IT has to deploy a self-healing script into the endpoint so that whenever a customer asks for printer-related issues, automatically an operation can be performed in the endpoint and it can be cleared. Now, similar methods can be applied by non-IT departments to operate endpoints. A finance solution has to uh, do something in the finance servers and applications, we can do that. So we are trying to cross-pollinate, we are trying to integrate all these solutions so that managed engine customers who are conventionally IT customers now can expand their profile and you know use managed engine solutions for the non-IT department. Similarly, we have built a chatbot studio very recently. Using the chatbot studio, any department, any anyone who has got no experience in programming can build a chatbot and deploy with a drag and drop visual interface. Right. So we made chatbot accessible for non-IT departments and you know novice users. So Manage Engine has been investing heavily in the R&D for identifying the requirements of our customers and catering with the experience that we have got with Zoho.com and Zoho, IT, Zoho IoT and Manage Engine. So everything is coming, converging at one point and we are trying to cater this as a one solution to our customers. So that is what Manage Engine has been doing at this point in time. And uh, 
you know, uh, we are even technology bootstrap. We are kind of trying to cook everything in house and serve it to our customers. Thanks, Prem, for all your great insight on today's topic. And thank you to everyone who listened to our conversation. If you would like more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head over to manageengine.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our social at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com.